Amen and amen. Thank you, everybody, for coming. We appreciate your presence. And if you're watching us online, we appreciate you um, tuning in. And we pray that God would touch you today. And with everything that's going on, well, we need the presence of God. Amen. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm a movie buff. Like, I love movies, um, you know, clean movies. Uh, whether it's the Avengers, whether it's the uh, Star Wars, whatever. I love movies. I think, you know, they give us stories. One of my favorite movies of all time is the series Lord of the Rings. And in Lord of the Rings, it tells a story that's not unlike our stories, right? It's the story of really a young, innocent hobbit, they call them. They're, young, they're, they're small, they're good people, they're uh, loving people, they don't fight, they don't they're not like warriors or anything like that. And that little hobbit is entrusted with a mission. He has to take the ring, and that's the ring of evil, and that ring represents everything that's wrong with the world. And the, the Lord, Lord Sauron, lower L, that created that ring wants it back. Because if he gets that ring back, he can rule the world with evil. So he has to take the ring into where it was created in the midst of danger. He has to take the ring and put it in the fire from where it came. But the problem is that the ring has the power to corrupt you. So once you get the ring, you see evil seep in your heart and it tends to corrupt you. And that in a lot of ways is what life is like. When you look at little children, they all look innocent. But it doesn't take long that a little child would start doing bad things. Whether they hit their brothers or sister, uh, whether they tell a lie. Any, any of you ever lied to your parents? If you're sitting next to your parent, don't say anything. But it, we all, it doesn't take long to see that sin is in this world. And it doesn't matter how cute the baby is, eventually they will do something wrong. And so in the movie Lord of the Rings... We have one of the best examples of friendship. Um, so the, the hobbit name is Frodo, and his best friend is Samwise Gunji. And then in, in, so in the movie, it's an example of a, a trusted friend. Because as they go into battle, as they go to um, bring the ring into the, the mountain of doom, it becomes too heavy for Frodo. It becomes too heavy. You see, he gets angry and you see like the weight of the mission is weighing on him. And Samwas Ganji tells him a phrase. It's one of the best quotes in the movie. It tells him, I cannot carry your burden, but I can carry you. I cannot carry the ring, but I can carry you. And he proceeds on picking him up and carrying him to the mountain of doom. And so today I want to talk to you about a trusted friend. The most trusted friend you will ever have. So we were on the heels of, of um, Easter, right, where we spoke about the passion of the Christ, his, his death on the cross, and then his resurrection. But then came a period after he rose where he appeared to his disciples. And, and, and that period in between leads to a very special day, which would be 50 days from there. It's Pentecost. And Pentecost is in the month of May this year. And Pentecost is the celebration of the coming, for the Christian, of the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
So I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me in John chapter 20, verse 19 to 22. John 20, verse 19 to 22. And it goes like this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and, and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. In our Christian life, we're like Frodo. We're on a mission from God. And I know I say this a lot, but if you're here and you're breathing, is because you have a mission from God. If God was done with you, he would have taken you home. But if you're still here, God is sending you. He, said, he tells his disciple, I am sending, the way the Father sent me, I am sending you. Everybody here breathing has a mission from God. But too many times we go through life and like, like just through the motions. There's that Christian song that says, going through the motions. And, and we just go through the day by day. And we don't understand, one, that we have a mission from God, but two, that we have a friend from God. Now, Jesus, when he was here, he spent a lot of time announcing the coming of the Holy Spirit. He, he, and he even said something that would blow your mind. Imagine you're walking on earth and you have Jesus with you. I mean, that could be, that's the best thing that could ever happen to us, right? How many people would like to be like right there, Jesus is here. Any question you have about faith, you can go to Jesus. He's going to answer it. Any sickness that you have, you just go to Jesus and he's going to heal you, right? You're, you're hungry for lunch. You go to Jesus and boom, he multiplies the bread and the fish, right? You're broke. He shows you how to get money. Jesus did like so many miracles. You get married, you run out of wine. Boom, Jesus multiplies it. But Jesus said something very, very interesting. He said, it is better for you that I leave because unless I leave, the Holy Spirit cannot come. But if I leave, the Holy Spirit will come. And so our situation now is actually better than the situation of the apostles or the first disciples. Because back then, Jesus in the human form would be limited to one place at a time. But with the Holy Spirit, Jesus can be in me, it can be in you, it can be everywhere. If you follow with me in John chapter 15, verse 22 to 28, it says this. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world 
give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, and going away, I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. After the death of Jesus, the disciples were afraid. They were ostracized. They were defeated. But what we find is after they were defeated, for some reason, they find strength to then go and preach, and they really change the world. So much that right now, there's like 2 billion people that call themselves Christian around the world. It started with the 12 and then the 120. But what made that difference that they went from defeated when they saw Jesus crucified to bold and powerful men of God preaching the world and ultimately died for the faith, most of them, 10 out of 12, died martyrs. What made the difference is receive the Holy Spirit. Is that they receive what Jesus had promised, which is the Holy Spirit, the power of God. Now, how many of us are living our lives, but we're living our lives with our own strength and our own power? We trust God for salvation, but we do not trust him for what we call sanctification. We trust God to, when we die, that we're going to go to heaven, but we don't trust him to live our day to day. I don't know if you watch the news or if you watch Christian news, but Christian world has been hit with several scandals after scandals after scandals, whether local or, or, or international. And so nobody is immune from falling. Nobody is immune from making a mistake. But today I want to tell you, first off, even if you make a mistake, what the Holy Spirit does is first priority is to, for you to understand that once you received Christ as your Lord and Savior, once you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you received the Holy Spirit and that made that you belong to him. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is assure that you belong to Christ. He says in the passage we just read, verse 22, it says, Jesus said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Make our home, meaning when, when you receive Christ, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and makes a home inside of you. There is a change. If we could quantify it, you would be a physical change that happens in your life where your soul that was dead now is made alive. But it's not just made it's made alive to God because death is the separation from God. Before you received Christ, before you knew Jesus, you were dead. Yes, your body and your limbs were, were walking and, and doing things, but you were spiritually, spiritually dead because you're separated from God. But once you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are made alive on the inside and you belong to him. So I don't care really what, what bad things you might have done or what, how you might have failed. That doesn't mean that God failed because you're you belong to him and his presence is inside of you no matter what. You know, when we talk about the end times, there's a lot of talk about the mark of the beast. Well, the mark of the beast, this is the vaccine, the mark of the beast, so whatever. No, it's not the mark of the beast. If you read Revelations 13, the act, the mark of the beast requires worship, requires you to worship. But I'm not concerned about the mark of the beast. 
because I have the mark of Christ. And there is no mark that can supersede the mark of Christ. So no matter what happens, once you receive Jesus Christ for real in your life, not when you receive the Baptist church, not when you receive the Pentecostal church, not when you receive the nice preacher, when you receive Jesus, the Messiah, as your Lord and Savior, you belong to him. You belong to him, period, point blank. The Bible says God remains faithful even when we're unfaithful because he cannot deny himself. Your salvation, it doesn't depend on you, it depends on him. And when he says, I'm going to give you salvation, it's his word that is at stake. So it doesn't depend on you, it depends on him. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is a seal. A seal is a guarantee. When you go to the store and, and you buy some, I don't know if that ever happened to you, right? You go and you buy, I don't know, you buy a juice or you buy food and, and you get it and there's a seal. If the seal is there, it's to tell you that what's inside is safe. But it's me in heaven because you belong. Now, if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, I invite you to do that right now. You don't need a ceremony. You don't need it. You just need in your heart to say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, come in my heart. Come in my heart. And if you want to talk after, you can come talk to me. But you say, Jesus, yes, come in my heart. You can receive Christ in your bedroom. You can receive Christ in your car. Wherever you are, you say yes to Jesus Christ and he will come into your life and he will give you the seal of the Holy Spirit that means that you belong to him. And then he says, okay, you know what? So once you belong, then you have to believe. Now, don't get me wrong. You have to believe in Christ first. You have to give your life to Jesus Christ first. But there are as many denominations as there are, there's this, and everybody has, you don't need to have the exact straight doctrine to belong to Jesus. You have to give your life to him. Jesus is a person. I might not need to know your date of birth, but if I know you, then we have a relationship. But once you have Jesus, what the Holy Spirit will do, he will now bring you to the right belief. He says, verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And that's a key role of the Holy Spirit. The key role of the Holy Spirit is to give us the right understanding of who God is. It's to give us the right understanding of the Word of God, what he put in Scripture, the right understanding of our nature of who we are and what he's called us to do and the right understanding of the of the world and what the world really is so he will give us the right belief you ever study your bible and you read a passage that you read ten thousand times but that one time now that you read it it's like boom wow i never saw it this way and now it all comes to life it all comes to light when that happens, that's the Holy Spirit showing you, opening your eyes so that you can understand Scripture. If you understand the role of the Holy Spirit, you understand also that He's the one that can give you that thirst for the, Holy, for, for, for the Word. If you find yourself that you're not thirsty for the Word of God, if you find yourself that you have a hard time studying your Bible, you need to get on your knees, 
Pray God and say, Father, give me the thirst for your word and have the Holy Spirit give you that thirst because the Holy Spirit's job is to teach you the word of God. It is but you need to open the book. The way I put it, it's like, it's like a weapon, right? The, the Bible is the weapon that God has given us, right? The Bible calls it a sword. Nowadays, we don't fight with swords anymore. We fight with firearms. And so imagine that you have a firearm. If you have the firearm by itself, it's not very powerful. Like if I have a beef with Wayne and I got to fight with him and I have this, I, he can still beat me because I know, you know, he knows that Kung Fu. I maybe throw it at him. He's going to dodge it. If I have the bullet by itself, it's not very powerful. I can maybe throw it. But once I take the bullet and I put it in the gun, then it's a different story. And it's the same way. You, you can study the word. People go through doctorates, but they don't know studying the word, but they don't know Christ. They don't know Jesus. But if you take the word and you take the Holy Spirit and you put them together, then you have a powerful weapon. So you need the word, but the word is made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. And how do you get the power of the Holy Spirit? It's in prayer. He's spending time asking God. When we look in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says they were praying in the upper room. And while they were praying, there was like a big boom when the Holy Spirit came. And when the Holy Spirit came, then they were emboldened. And Peter preached one message and 3,000 people got saved. Because he preached it with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the job of the Holy Spirit is to allow you to belong, is to allow you to believe, to have the right understanding of the word. But then guess what? Belief now leads to behavior. Belief, is, real belief is going gonna, is gonna to lead to behavior. If you really want to see what somebody believes, watch how they behave. If I tell you in my car, I have a million dollars. First person who gets to my car, I give you a million dollars. Who's going to move? Nobody's going to move because you know I don't have a million dollars yet. But if Bill Gates made the same promise, I couldn't stop you from... It's funny. We're doing some cleaning the other day, right? And I tell the girls, clean. They're like, ah. I tell the girls, I'm going to give you $2 for the first person who brings puts away as much trash as possible. <laughs> they got everything done like in two minutes. Why? Because they believe that they're going to get something. And you see that belief in action in their behavior. You can see what somebody believes in how they behave. And so here's what Jesus says. says, peace I live with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you, give it to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. If you have Christ in your life, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, it's going to be evident from the inside out. Peace is on the inside. Peace is on the inside. When you have the Holy Spirit of God, he does something that the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit which includes peace, but is broader than peace. If you follow with me in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
you, if you, and I love Florida because you have all those different trees, right? You have mango tree, you have avocado tree. And guess what? What you have to do is you plant the tree and then you, you water the tree, you take care of the tree. But guess what? The tree, when the tree is grown, the tree will bear the fruit. The tree will bear the fruit. If you grow yourself in Christ, and, and sometimes that's the problem is we have things mungled up. You receive Christ and you think, and, and sometimes, don't get me wrong, the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you so strong when you get saved that a lot of the bad stuff that you used to do, you're not doing anymore. A lot of the people that you were listening to, the bad friends that you were listening to, you don't listen to them anymore. But then there's another set of issues that you have, they're a little tougher, right? And nobody is perfect. And you see great men of God that fall is because of those besetting issues that never leave, that, that, that's harder to leave, right? But if you grow the tree, if you water the tree, what then happens is the tree will bear the fruit. If you grow your spiritual self, if you grow yourself spiritually speaking, studying the word in prayer, the Holy Spirit over time will allow you to bear the fruit. Now, a lot of times we put behavior before belonging. So we see, oh, because such person doesn't behave exactly how we expect them, then we doubt that they're Christian. Then we doubt that they're saved. I'm going to tell you, you're still saved. You still belong because you belong, then you believe, then you behave. It's a process. But sometimes when you find yourself that, oh, I'm not behaving in the way that I'm supposed to, you tend to be discouraged and you want to give up. And I'm here to tell you this morning is don't give up. Keep pushing because you're growing. Keep pushing because God is watering. Keep pushing because the Holy Spirit is making you grow. And you can have a season where, oh, maybe it's not as good as, 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 as it's supposed to be. Right now in France, they're having an extreme cold. So they're going to lose probably like 80% of their grapes. So the wine season is not going to be as good as it normally would have been. But guess what? They're not going to give up winemaking because they had one bad season. And you should not give up your faith or give up striving for Christ because you're having a bad season. But rather, you have to understand that Jesus died on the cross so that you can always come back because you belong. Because you belong, you can always come back. And when you come back, he, re he resurrects you from the inside. When we were in, in, in Mexico, uh, we went to an orphanage. And the orphanage has a rehab center for men. So uh, a few miles away from the orphanage, they have a rehab center, and they get men that are addicted to drugs, that are addicted to alcohol, and, and so they care for them, but they give them stuff to do, and they rehabilitate them, right? And there was this man that went there. He got saved. He got changed, and he grew and, um, and he came one day and said, guys, I got to leave. And, and they said, why, why, where are you going? He said, because I have a daughter I haven't seen in 35 years. So he traveled all across the country to go see uh, his daughter. 
And then when he got to the door, um, she said, I don't have a father. But then he, he stayed and, and, and persisted a little so that she let him in. And then a few weeks later, she called the orphanage and said, thank you. You gave me back my father. So that was a man that was addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, all far off on the, the wrong side of track. But somehow God found him, brought him back, restored him, and brought him back to his family. So I don't know how far you are. I don't know where you find yourself in life. But I know this, that if you come back to Christ, he will receive you. He will rehabilitate you and, and, and make you and make you, how you say, make you um, useful. The word was far off. Make you useful for society. Make you useful to your family. Make you useful to, to your friends. Restore the relationships that were broken. If you come back to him. The Holy Spirit works on you belonging, on you believing, on your behavior. And, and that behavior comes when the tree grows, it's that it's making you more like Christ. The whole goal of Christianity, the whole goal of the Bible is to make us more like Christ. The whole goal of the Holy Spirit in your life is that you become more like Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 and 18. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Let me repeat it. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. And that's a reference to the Old Testament when Moses went on the mountain. He spent 40 days with God. When he came down the mountain, he was glowing. He was glowing. But then he did something. He put a veil in front of his face. He put a veil in front of his face because as he was coming down, the glory was fading. Over time, the glory was fading, so he put a veil. But Paul is saying that now that we have Christ, we get to be in the presence of God, kind of like Moses was in the presence of God. We get to see the face of God, not literally, but see to be in the presence of God, so that now we are transformed into his image. But unlike Moses, when the transformation went fading down, our transformation goes increasing. Our transformation goes day by day. We are more like Christ, and we should see that in our behavior, in our belief, in our belonging, where we are more like examples of Christ. The biggest compliment that somebody can make you is they don't know you that well, but they say, hey, are you a Christian? So well, why do you say that? Just because of how you are. Just the way of how you, you are. And the biggest message that your life can give, it's a life that reflects Christ. You don't have to use much words if your life reflects Christ. If when the hard time comes, you still have peace because of Christ. If when they vilify you at work, you don't respond with that same vilification, but you respond with a positive attitude. 
I know it's easy to get into it, right, with the other colleagues because that one is, is, is acting up and causing trouble. But remember that you're an ambassador of Christ and that the goal, the whole goal is for us to be like him. So the phrase that we used to use is, is still true today. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus behave? How would Jesus behave? If you follow the, you know, the world, the politics or whatever, you see that there's a lot of places in the world where being a Christian is illegal. And that eventually might come here, who knows. But if that's such, that is the case, how many of us will be convicted because of how we live? How many people they would know for sure, oh yeah, that person, that's a Christian, go get them. When you see the guys in the Bible, they said, they, when they were persecuted, they felt joyful that they were persecuted. You know why? Because that meant for them that they were being faithful to Christ. That meant for them that they were living according to Christ. There's, Paul said one of the words, one of the phrases of the Bible that's one of the toughest ones that you can utter. He said to the, to, 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 to the readers, he said, be my imitators. Be my imitators like I am of Christ. Is that something that I can say? Is that something that you can say? If a young Christian comes and says, you know what, I want to know how to live as a Christian. Can you confidently say to them, look at me. Look at me. Because that's what it means to be a Christian. And that's what Paul did. He said, look at me because I'm looking at Christ. And what I want to challenge you to do today is to look at Christ. Is to look at him and, and let the Holy Spirit work in your life so that he makes you become more and more like him every day. It's to be in the word. And a lot of times we, we want to have fuzzy feelings to get in the word. We want to have fuzzy feelings to pray. It's two things that make us pray. Fuzzy feelings or real trouble. But you don't need neither. You don't need to be in deep trouble. You don't need fuzzy feeling. All you need is faithfulness. All you need is to say, you know what? I committed to Christ. I'm committed to Christ. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and I'm going to read scripture because I want to become like him. If you look in your life and you don't see that you're 100% like Christ, then that means you need prayer and you need to be in the word to become like him. So my challenge as we close is that, like the passage says, to contemplate. Contemplate means to stare, to stare in awe. It, and you can close your eyes as we're going to close in worship. It's to stare. And I want to invite you to stare at Christ right now and to look at him and think about him sitting on the throne of heaven and say to the Holy Spirit, to say to God, make me more like him. Make me more like Christ. So we want to take a second. It's just you and God right now. Just you and God. Seeking his face. And to let him make you more like him. Father God, we come before your throne. We come before you, God. And we ask, God, that you give us that assurance that we belong to you. Give us that assurance that, that you love us. That you're with us that you're in our hearts. But then allow us, God, to discover the wonders of your word, the wonders of your, 
your glory and mercy, the wonders of who you are, God, that, that we, we might endeavor to knowing you better and better every day, God. And God, that our understanding of you then leads to our behavior, God. And I pray for myself and I pray for my brothers and sisters that you allow us to be ambassadors of Christ to this world, that they might, so that if they don't have a Bible, that if they don't go to church, that they might see you, that they might see you through our behavior, to our words and how we speak and how we, we behave, God, and that through that, that they might come to you, God. Allow us to be more like you. I pray, God, that you allow us to be like Christ, to be kind like he was kind, to be loving like he was loving, to be bold like he was bold, to be patient like he was patient. God, allow us to be like you so that in the end, we come, when we come into your presence, you can say, come, good and faithful servant, come in the joy of your master. Because those words are the words that we want to hear when you call us home. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.